0: You are listening to The Bible Breakthrough with Pastor David Engman and Scott Brecky. In this study, we will break down the Bible from B.C. to A.D. chronologically while offering historical context and real-life application for today. This series is brought to you by the Breakthrough Media Network.
1: Hi, my name is Pastor Dave Engman. This is Scott Brecky. Today we're joined with... Uh, us in studio, Jeff Hagen. And Jeff Hagen is the founder of Hill Cities Ministry. And Jeff's also a, a former board member of Breakthrough Ministries. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Jeff.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
1: You're welcome. And we want to welcome you and thank you as well for joining us. Ultimately, it is our goal to lead you into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus.
3: So, this is our bonus video number one to episode four. Uh, here, we will be discussing various topics that came up as a result of the scripture we covered today in episode four. Also, the show notes will be linked in the description of this production.
1: In this episode, we will read Genesis 3 1 through 24 and discuss, and we discussed the beginning of humanity with man and woman in the garden. And here, we see how deception and confusion lead the man and woman to sin and its consequences.
3: So three questions you should be uh, asking yourself as you listen are what is it saying, what does it mean, and how can I apply this to my life?
1: And before we dive into this discussion, let's pray. Lord, your word teaches that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. Lord, we pray you do just that. Amen. Alright, so let's review the main or key points of Genesis 3, 1-24 through 24 that we read in episode four. Uh, we talked about uh, the man and the win- woman, uh, both sin, uh, deception we talked that is one of the key points. This is where deception enters. Uh, the serpent through the serpent. Then we talked about disobedience, sh- uh, doubt and shame, mm-hmm. how they hid as a result of that. Uh, blame, uh, the blame game started. We talked about God's judgment, um, the fact that paradise was lost, uh, the consequences uh, that were uh, handed out to the serpent, to the woman, and then to the man. So today we just want to have uh, open dialogue about that, and we uh, certainly invited Jeff in to be a part of this discussion. So. Uh, Let's go back and just dive in a little bit to what we started out with if if we look at the first in the order of sequence of scripture We read today. We read about uh, the serpent entering. Let's see where this discussion leads either of you got any uh, insights to To that part
3: well um, so I just, you know, I just think it's kind of interesting that we should maybe even make it clear that who we're talking about when it says the the serpent. So, um, because I mean, we think of a serpent as a snake and you could say that as a literal aspect, but I just thought that we would bring up um a verse down back in Revelation from uh Revelation 12:9 that says that this great dragon, or the ancient serpent, is called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, and he was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So I just want to make it clear, like you know, when it mentions the the serpent, that this is the devil. But um, also that you know he's he's obviously very sneaky, very sly. But um, what do you guys think? Do you think he's actually talking about a physical snake? or what do you think that looks like? I mean, I don't know, never, I, I just, when I just hear the word serpent, I just think snake. So I don't know, what do you guys think? Do you think that was an actual snake thing or did it look different than, um, than uh, later on like we had discussed before? So.
1: Well, I've got my opinion, what about you, Jeff?
2: Well, I, I have a, 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 let's call it a beginning of opinion. <laughs> and that is, is that the, first of all, the serpent was, in, in Hebrew, they use the phrase a chaos creature. Hmm. So the idea that the, the, the serpent comes to bring chaos into the lives of people. God had an ordered system, He had a plan, He had purpose for Adam and Eve to rule the earth, to subdue it, and the serpent comes in to into their lives to deceive them and to create chaos, hmm. okay? And Uh, I would say I think that Genesis like Revelation, like Ezekiel, like Zechariah there are parts of it that probably should be taken symbolically and I think that uh, a serpent can communicate the craftiness of the animal um, that the way he he can deceive and, and create deceit and confusion so I think uh... It, it stands for something that would be one idea hmm.
1: so in other words you don't think the serpent was the snake with legs
2: Well, it could have been it okay have been. but i haven't seen too many serpents <laughs> walking around with legs but you know again you know this is before the fall yeah. and yeah. there were you know let's call it uh, dr doolittle type people i suppose walking
1: around <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that yeah well we read about the fact that uh he was shrewd, so he was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the lord God had made so what does what do you think that means
2: well, I'd like to add a piece on that one mm-hmm. you know that um he's shrewd he's crafty mm-hmm. uh he's a a spirit that was so crafty it says that he was able to deceive one third of the angels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know, Adam and Eve, um, you think, why did they get suckered into this? Um, yeah. Somehow, the Satan was able to drive a wedge between those two, maybe sensed some weaknesses in their relationship. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that the man is, who was supposed to guard the garden, it says, and he's probably uh, uh, tending the tree. Well, the the serpent is seducing the guy's wife. Mm-hmm. He's not doing his guarding at all in this situation. <laughs> He's not doing his
3: job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, that was a good point. That was a good point. So, so
3: be- just to back up where you said that, you know, that the devil or Satan was able to basically trick a third of the angels. Like that makes me think, like, what chance do I have? Like, man, if he was able to to seduce a third of the or, um uh, oh, yeah, trick the uh, third of th- the angels in heaven mm-hmm. then I'll probably be pretty easily um, deceived so what chance, do, what chance do I have like what I mean what am I supposed to do about that I mean man that sounds like well, someone who's a lot cleverer maybe smarter than I am mm-hmm. I mean this was a, a you know if you read through the Bible you know that the enemy um, Satan was an uh, an angel, a very high-ranking angel, maybe the highest-ranking angel, um, and he fell away. So I just want to like encourage me that <laughs> there's hope, right? Yeah. Encourage me that there's hope that okay, my goodness, like if, if if he can do that, how do I know I'm not being deceived? Yeah. You know, so how do I know? That? How do I know I'm not being deceived?
1: Well, you know, Jesus is the answer to every problem.
3: Okay. You know. Yeah.
1: Um, he he has masterfully masterfully deceived the world of, his, of even his existence, mm-hmm. which is one of the uh, greatest deceits. You know, I don't. You know, he, he's convinced the, most of the world that he doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. But then he operates in darkness. You know, and Jesus called him uh, the greatest uh, deceiver ever. He's very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, what chance do you have, right, is your question. And I'm just like, you, without Jesus, you don't have a chance.
3: Hmm.
1: I mean, really. Yeah. It's, he's, Jesus is the equalizer. He's the great force, right? And, and that brings me to the thought of this.
2: Um, Could I add something there? Dave? Absolutely. The, you know, what's interesting is when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tested by the devil the second temptation was he took him to the top of the mountain he showed him the kingdoms of the world mm. and he said these have been handed over to me mm. I can give them to whomever mm. I wish bow down and worship me mm. and they'll be yours and so the question is who handed the kingdoms of the world over to the devil mm. right Yeah. And that was Adam's mandate okay he was given that he handed it over to him But here's the good news is that Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship. So one of the ways we confront the devil is with the word of God. And that we recognize that because Jesus died and rose again, Satan was thrown out of the throne in heaven to the earth. And that now mankind has recovered that throne. We stand in a victorious mode so we should fight the devil not from a position of trying to gain victory but the fact that we already have victory and that he told us to put on the belt of truth Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith the rest of the armor and we can take a stand then against him
3: And I—that's I, when you brought that up because literally all week that's just been coming up. The full armor of God, mm-hmm. and I just started to notice that the—is it the belt of truth, yeah. right? But the the sword, which is the Word of God, is attached to that truth. Mm. You know, so I was like, man. So, I mean, I, I've had I've had this like this thing. The Lord's giving me this image of like a soldier going out into battle, and so many. Christians will say maybe nominal Christians, they they go to reach for that, that sword and they pull out and there's nothing there, hmm. but they they got the they got the look the part. But they pull, out and it's like it's like they have they have nothing to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's how important the word of God is, like especially my walk of my faith because I I never used to read the Bible, never used to open it, but I was con- confessing to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But man, it was it was just so revealing to me. So, um, but what what do you guys think of um, like sin in general? Like what comes to mind when you think of the word sin? Because I used to think of it as just something that you know, maybe I know what would be bad, like, that I did. Like, oh, like, I kind of know that that was wrong, like, that's sin. Mm -hmm. Like, but now that I've, like, really read through the Bible, um, you know, as I, as we read, especially through this part, it's just really not being obedient to God's voice, right? No, disobedience. So, you're clearly, you hear Him, and then you're disobeying what He's telling you to do. So, um, that's just kind of been, like, my, really, my walk and my faith of well, it's not necessarily just something that you do is bad, but it all, it's just recognizing that, that you're just not doing what God's telling you to do. So, because, I mean, we will think, we can maybe point out things like, oh, this is a sin and this is a sin, but, you know, oh, that's not as bad, and we start to level out these, you know, put levels on these different sins, like this sin's not as bad as this one, and this one's really bad, and this one's like, okay, so what, do you, like, what are you guys' thoughts of, of like, uh, uh, sin in general? Dave, you want to
2: start?
1: Yeah, you know, the Bible gives us an example of what this actually means. So again, we we always want to let the Word of God speak for itself whenever possible, right? Mm -hmm. But sin in and of itself is simply according to the Word. Um, I don't have to, I can't cite the address on it. But according to the Word, sin is just doing what you know is wrong. If you do it, then you sin. And the opposite of that is turning from the sin, or the temptation, saying no to it, and then going in the opposite direction. That's called repentance. Mm-hmm. So it's recognizing, and maybe just paying a little bit more attention um, throughout our day to the things that we sense are wrong, that we might do anyway. A simple example, you know, you're at the end of the workday, and You've got to run home. You've got a meeting with the PTA, we'll say. And you reach down and grab a notepad um, from your desk. And immediately you might think, man, it's not my notepad. Wow, it's on my desk. I didn't buy it. But, but you take it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just a simple example. I mean, is it yours? Are you stealing it? If you take it, then you know you're doing You know, there's a conviction that comes from the Lord shame comes from the devil but convictions come from the lord and that's there is a difference in those one is um conviction is about the lord speaking truth and love and giving you the opportunity to pause for a moment and consider doing the right thing and shame on the other hand is the opposite of that it's 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 pouring uh gasoline on on a problem and making it worse Mm -hmm. but anyway what what do you got jeff
2: well, I was thinking, you know, first of all, sin is, the Bible says, all have sinned and all are falling short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So in some ways sin is simply falling short of the glory of God. Hmm. Um, another, uh, you know, I've, the phrase, the, sin is transgression, and so you, you step across a line mm. that is there. God says, here's the line, don't step across it, don't touch I mean, don't take that tree, that yeah. apple. Yeah. yeah, it's a clear transgression. Mm. Yeah.
3: That's good. So I wanted to go back to a point where you had talked about uh, um, the difference between um, sh- shame and conviction. Right? Was it those two? <clears throat> so this just like comes to my mind of really like easy to understand so it'd be like for for me I got two daughters right growing up uh, little little babies as they grow up and next thing you know they're going from crawling to standing there walking around and, and when they get close to that that oven I, I tell them no no hot 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 don't touch that because I know that if they touch that they're gonna get burned but I have to let them know that that that's not safe so um, so obviously I wouldn't, I wouldn't I wouldn't shame her for doing that because she doesn't know better you know but I try to tell her like hey don't do that it's it, you're gonna get burned so my point is 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 there like come a point in someone's life where you gotta recognize that look if you go over here you're gonna get burned but also like um, that hearing Something from the Lord that He's trying to guide you. He's trying to tell you, like I know best for you. Please don't do that. You know. So, um, so my question would be: Is how do we how do we recognize it that that what is from the Lord that the guilt part and the shame part? Because I I I would dance around sometimes in my life where I would feel the conviction of the Lord, and then I also would have guilt and shame. But, but I just sometimes like, I don't know, I couldn't like tell the difference. Like you said, it was like pouring gasoline on, on uh, the situation rather than like a, a loving father would say, hey, please don't do that, you know? So, so how do you like, how do you tell the difference? Is it just like a feeling that comes to you or, or what? Have you had that happen in your life where you've, you've been convicted or you've felt shame or guilt on something? You wanna try that one first? No, I want you to do it first.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I you know, a conviction is really an acknowledgement. First of all, let's just say this. The Word of God says that God put the knowledge of Himself in all men.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So every human being has no excuse before a holy God on the final day of judgment. No man or woman will have any excuse for rejecting God. There's no excuse for it. God gave us, part of our DNA, the knowledge of himself, right? So, that being said, um, a conviction would be one who is openly defiant in rejecting God, but not feeling necessarily right about it. Okay? Shame would be something that you would experience, and it would be directed not from the Father, but from the enemy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, We spend, uh, uh, people on earth, uh, all of us uh, at some point or another spend some time blaming God for um, the atrocities of mankind and humanity and what we do to each other, mm-hmm. war and murder, and, 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 and we blame the author of life. When we ought to blame, if you will The author of death The one that's causing the problem mm-hmm. The one that's causing the problem Is the one that's pouring out shame For example Let's say that same person Who has the knowledge of God Written in their heart Right Who's rejected God for most of their life Then Opens the door To the spirit the spirit comes in And they receive that love from the Father. Then the enemy comes over and says, What kind of a man are you? You claim to believe in God. Yet look at all the things you've done. And then starts to name the things the man's done. Now, he starts to receive that and feel shame. And then if we follow the same pattern, we can see the same pattern. The enemy comes in. He provides deception. And from there... Um, We have a choice to obey or disobey Mm -hmm. uh, what we know to be true. Um, Then we doubt. uh, When we doubt and disobey, shame is poured usually on by the enemy, not by God. And then we hide from our shame. And some people never get out of hiding from their shame. They don't feel worthy. Um, And then, of course, uh, at some point, maybe maybe at the final judgment, they begin to blame the reason for which, you know, they're being convicted. Mm-hmm. So, the other part of it is this conviction. Think about conviction. Jesus is known as the advocate, right? He's the he's the uh, ultimate attorney in heaven on the final day, right? When we stand before God at the bama seat of Christ, which is called the mercy seat. Jesus is there representing us and there is a verdict that's handed down and we are either convicted of being one of his or convicted of being one of the enemies. So conviction is, is really tied to um, law. I mean really the law. I don't know if that helped explain it. I don't know if I have the answer completely but that's my rendition of it
2: yeah I mean I would just add that there seems to be a little bit of a process of how guilt and shame functioned in this situation in the garden where the Satan said um, if you take this bite you mm-hmm. will know good and evil mm-hmm. and so then she, all of a sudden Eve is thinking "Ah, oh, the apple is good to the eye good for food able to make one wise in the back of mind, she's thinking, and I'm going to be equal with God. I'm going to, I'm going to be right next to Him. I'm going to be part of ruling this universe. And, um, and then they, when they take it, their eyes are opened. They feel guilt and shame, mm-hmm. okay? And the shame was that they knew they were naked. You know, they, now they know something about good and evil. And, you know, shame wasn't even on this planet or guilt until this fall.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, uh, as Dave said, shame is a feeling of inadequacy that I feel small and I'm not measuring up where man was never meant you know, f- to feel like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I do think too that the enemy keeps using shame to keep people from God because they feel like they they aren't measuring up but the good news is we all fall short of the glory you know, that it's, he died for the sins for our, all of our sins and that you know while we are sinners christ died for us mm-hmm. So we don't have to clean our act up and to feel worthy you know the gates are wide open to come as you are mm-hmm.
1: wow that's that's good i like that Jeff let's talk about the paradise that was lost mm. God's judgment, then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who lived and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam uh, and his wife. Then the Lord God said, look, the humans have um, the humans have, be- have, become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This reminds me of our recognition as a human race of something we once had that we desire to have again, but can't. And we want that. We desire that. What we had in paradise, what we want is what we had. And so we continue. Um, you know, we continue to 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 fight for that, but we recognize without Christ we can't ever have that. So uh, that's just a thought that I've had about that when I think about the paradise being lost. Humanity wants something that they once had, but have yet to be able to attain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that God removed them from paradise; He took them out of paradise. And then he guarded the gate of paradise with that flaming sword. Hmm. Because what would have happened if, Jeff, they would have taken a bite of that fruit from the tree of life? What would have happened?
2: Yeah I think it was an act of grace and mercy that he put that angel there because they would have lived in a state of uh, living death. Hmm. You know, kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a zombie environment, hmm. Hmm. you know, with const- continual corruption. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, talk about, you know, that, uh, is it 3? 15. 15. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that for
2: a second? Oh, uh, you know, that, I think that is the acorn that grows into an oak tree in the scriptures. Mm-hmm that the DNA of all of Scripture is built into this. This is the first prophecy. Mm -hmm. He's speaking to the serpent, and he's saying, there will be hostility between your seed, and in Hebrew that the word is sperm, Mm -hmm. and the sperm of the woman, okay? And so he will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. And so you have something that is an opening of the Gospel, that God is promising, yeah. that there will be someone coming from the woman, but a supernatural seed. Mm-hmm. So in other words, mm-hmm. God's seed, and He would come to destroy the, the authority that Satan had seduced away from Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And he, that, so the, the drama has been played out in history, um, through, you know, you think about Cain and Abel and in 1 John it says, Cain who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And why did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Hmm. You know, so Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, you know, the, the Judas and Jesus, you know, this has played out through history and by God's grace, Christ struck the winning blow. Hmm.
1: And that was the prophecy of it found in 3.15. Right.
2: That's good. It plays out, you know, even through the book of Revelation Mm -hmm. where you have Christ and the Antichrist.
3: Yeah. Wow. I'm thinking about that word banished. Like, can you imagine being in that place, the Garden of Eden? (laughs) I mean, and in the presence of God walking through and then being... Taken out of it, how you would be like, man, I messed up.
2: Yeah, and you've and you've <laughs> I'm got, messed
3: up big time. Yeah, you know? not,
2: and now you got to plow and with thorns <laughs> and thistles, the sweat yeah, of your brow, everything's and changed. God's not there.
3: Yeah, oh, that would feel miserable, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Do you
1: think the thorns and thistles were there before the fall?
2: Ah, do I think the thorns and thistles were there before the fall? Well, we do know that. Before the fall, uh, there was chaos on the earth, and that darkness covered the earth, and so did water. And so God had to take those days to create the earth. So along the way, you know, there are people that believe that there was the fall of Satan fell to the earth first and destroyed the pristine beauty of the planet. Hmm. And so that, and God had to rebuild the planet, okay? with the idea that he was putting man in the spot to subdue and take over the earth and rebuild it. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways to look at that. Mm
1: -hmm. So before the fall, before they ate that forbidden fruit, um, would uh, Adam have felt pain if he stubbed his toe?
2: Right. Man, okay.
1: Just, just ideas, just thoughts, right? Scott, sure. I, I don't know.
3: I'm going to say no because <laughs> I think in this one where he, he's speaking to the woman, he says, "I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and pain, and in pain you will give birth." So, so
2: prior I to wanna the say, fall,
3: I want to say no.
1: Yeah, prior to the fall, she could have given birth to children and wouldn't have hurt. Right? Yeah. Although, mean, all really? the
3: women listening to this so are like,
1: really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but here's the thing. I mean, you know. Everything that we experience today that's not good is as a result of the fall. That includes pain. That includes suffering. Mm. Now, thorns and thistles may have been in the garden, but they probably wouldn't have been hard, scratchy. You wouldn't have scratched yourself on them, right? I mean, the Garden of Eden, as you said, uh, it was paradise. God created it. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. And it was as a result of the fall that everything went, really, went south. And that's when uh, pain and suffering entered the world, and all of the destruction, the, the spiritual death as well as the physical death were were brought on as a result of disobedience. So, yeah, i I don't think uh, I don't think the rocks would have been in a way in the way if uh, Adam or, or Eve, in this case, would have stubbed their toe they, there just wouldn't have been a rock there for them to stub it on. I just yeah. think it was that perfect, wow. and that's where. We're headed, we're headed back to the paradise. We're headed back to the garden, this yeah. perfect place. Uh, when we exit this earth uh, from the fleshly body that we have and are given a uh, heavenly body, it'll be a perfect. Bible describes our bodies as being perfect, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it'll be fun to see what happens.
2: I would like to add to that too is that Adam was considered king of the earth. And he was also walked with God, so he was a priest. Mm. And that Jesus has now, the, the, he's the last Adam. He's taken the throne again, and he is a king priest, and he brought us with him, and we are now part of his line, a priestly line of Melchizedek that are king priests. Mm. And so that we can now live life in many ways, in what's called the already kingdom, but not yet. And that we are, if we accept it and understand the scriptures, we can exercise the authority of a king spiritually. And we are the, the people who stand in the gap between heaven and earth mm-hmm. to pray for the presence of God to come into situations.
1: Amen. The kingdom of God was the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Kingdom of God, and so we 're experiencing here on earth as believers we experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth we don 't receive the the gift from the Lord and um, that he 's given us through the costly price his son Jesus paid um, just for the opportunity to to enter heaven when we die he he gives us like he did, and we discussed in previous episodes, he give, he's given us believers a, a, a purpose and a job to do while we're here. And that's to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth and to grow it and to expand it and to uh, invite others to join us. Mm-hmm. So, well, this has been fun. Um, we could go on for hours because <laughs> there's just never enough time. Mm. So, we should always be sensitive to the Holy Spirit regarding application. We talked about that in the fourth, uh, fourth episode. If there's anything that we're talking about here in this bonus video that you think is something that you can use to apply to your life in a way that God would ask you to, then I just want you to know that we're praying for that to happen. Uh, we're praying that you would receive an increase of, of faith, in um, an increase in your ability to simply obey Him. Um, so with that being said, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the bonus video here. I want to thank you, uh, Scott, again for being my co-host yep. and uh, you know, joining me in all of these episodes as well as Jeff Hagen. I want to thank you for your friendship and, and our partnership in the kingdom. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do with the work. Uh, of Hill Cities and, and the work of Breakthrough. Um, so with that being said, we want to welcome you to come back and join us in our next episode, episode five. And we want to thank you for listening. Thank you again. God bless.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Bible Breakthrough with Pastor David Engman and Scott Brecky. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and will join us again for more of the Bible from B.C. to A.D. We are a volunteer-driven ministry and rely on you to help us get the word out to the world. Please like this podcast on Facebook, share it to your page, and continue to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. This has been a broadcast of the Breakthrough Media Network.